Section twenty five of A Woman's Journey Round the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Woman's Journey Round the World by Ida Laura Pfeiffer. Chapter fourteen Journey from Delhi to Bombay. Part two. Eighth February madopur a wretched village at the foot of some low mountains today also we passed through terrible ravines and chasms which like those of yesterday were not near the mountains but in the middle of the plains the sight of some palms was on the contrary agreeable the first i had seen since i left benares however they bore no fruit i was still more surprised to see in a place so destitute of trees and shrubs tamarind and banyan or mango trees planted singly which cultivated with great care flourish with incomparable splendour and luxuriance their value is double when it is known that under each there is either a well or a cistern ninth february indergar a small unimportant town we approached today very much near to the low mountains which we had already seen yesterday we soon found ourselves in narrow valleys whose outlets appeared to be closed with high rocky wells upon some of the higher mountain peaks stood little kiosks dedicated to the memory of the satis the satis are the women who are burned with corpses of their husbands according to the statement of the hindus they are not compelled to do so but their relations insult and neglect them when they do not and they are driven out of society consequently the poor women generally give their consent upon the occasion they are handsomely dressed and ornamented and frequently stupefied with opium almost to madness are led with music and singing to the place where the corpse of the husband wrapped in white muslin lies upon the funeral pile at the moment that the victim throws herself upon the corpse the wood is lighted on all sides at the same time a deafening noise is commenced with musical instruments and every one begins to shout and sing in order to smother the howling of the poor woman after the burning the bones are collected placed in a urn and entered upon some eminence under a small monument only the wives and of these only the principal or favourite ones of the wealthy or noble have the happiness to be burned since the conquest of hindustan by the english these horrible scenes were not permitted to take place the mountain scenery alternated with open plains and toward the evening we came to still more beautiful mountains a small fortress which situated upon the slope of the mountain quite exposed presented a very interesting appearance the mosques barracks little gardens etc could be entirely overlooked at the foot of this fortress lay our night quarters tenth february notara we travelled a long distance through narrow valleys upon roads which are so stony that it's scarcely possible to ride and i thought every moment that the wagon must be broken to pieces so long as the sun was not scorching on my head i walked by the side but i was soon compelled to seek the shade of the linen covering of the wagon i bound up my forehead tightly grasped both sides of the car and submitted to my fate the jungle which surrounded us resembled in beauty and luxuriance that near bharatpur but it offered me more amusement as it was inhabited by wild apes they were tolerably large with yellowish brown hair black faces and very long tails it was pretty to see how anxious the mothers were about their young when i startled them she took one upon her back the other clung to her breast 
and with this double weight she not only sprung from branch to branch but even from tree to tree if i had only possessed somewhat more imaginative power i should have taken the forest for a fairy wood for besides the merry monkeys i saw many remarkable things the rock sides and debris to the left of the road for example had the most singular and varied forms some resembled the ruins of temples and houses others trees indeed the figure of a woman with a child in her arms was so natural that i could scarcely help feeling a regret at seeing it turned into this dismal lifelessness further on lay a gate whose noble artistic construction so deceived me that i long sought for the ruins of the town to which it appeared to lead not far distant from the jungle is the little town of lakheri situated upon almost perpendicular declivity of the mountain ridge and also protected by fortifications a beautiful pond a large well with an artificial portico terraces with hindu idols and mohammedan funeral monuments lie in every attractive disorder before notara i found several altars with a sacred bull carved in red stone in the town itself stood a handsome monument an open temple with columns upon stone terrace which was surrounded with fine reliefs representing elephants and riders there was no caravanserai at this place and i was obliged to go out to the streets with my cumbrous equipage in search of a lodging but as no one would receive a christian not from any want of good nature but in consequence of an erroneous religious opinion that a house which has been visited by an unbeliever is defiled this opinion also extends to many other matters there was no alternative left for me except to pass a night in an open veranda in this town i saw a circumstance which proved the amiability of the people a donkey that was maimed either from its birth or by an accident was dragging itself with great exertion across the street a task which required several minutes to accomplish several people who were coming that way with their loaded animals waited with great patience without making a single murmur or raising a hand to drive the creature on many of the inhabitants came out of their houses and gave it fodder and every passer-by turned out of the way for it this feeling of sympathy touched me uncommonly eleventh february on this the thirteenth day of my journey i reached kota i was very well satisfied with my servants and drivers and indeed with the journey altogether the owners of the caravanserais had not charged me more than a native and had afforded me all the convenience which the strict rule of religion allowed i had passed the nights in open chambers even under the open sky surrounded by people of the poorest and lowest classes i never received the slightest ill-treatment either by word or deed i never had anything stolen and whenever i gave any little trifle to a child such as a piece of bread cheese or the like their parents were always endeavoured to show their gratitude by other acts of kindness oh that the europeans only knew how easily these simple children of nature might be won by attention and kindness but unfortunately they will continue to govern them by force and treat them with neglect and severity kota is the chief city of the kingdom of rajputan here as in all other provinces which the english government has left under the dominion of the native princes there is an english official appointed who bears the title of the resident these residents might be properly called kings or at least the king's governors since the real kings cannot do anything without their consent these miserable shadows of kings dare not for example cross the boundaries of their own states without the permission of the resident the more important fortresses of the country have english garrisons 
and here and there small english military stations are established the control is on some respect beneficial to the people in other injurious the custom of burning widows is done away with and strictly forbidden as well as the horrible punishment of being trodden to death by elephants or dragged along tied to their tails on the other hand the taxation is increased for the king is obliged to pay a considerable tribute for the right of ruling according to the will of the resident this naturally comes out of the pockets of the people the king of rajputan pays annually three hundred thousand rupees thirty thousand pounds to the english government the resident at kota captain burden was an intimate friend of dr springer's who had previously acquainted him with my speedy arrival but unfortunately he was at that time inspecting the different military stations however he had before his departure made arrangements for my reception and requested dr roland to see them carried out he carried his attention so far as to send on books newspapers and servants to the last station which however i missed as my driver had turned off from the main road during the last two days into a shorter one i reached the handsome bungalow of the resident and found the house quite vacant mrs burdon together with her children had accompanied her husband as is generally the case in india where frequent change of air is very necessary for europeans the house the servants and sepoys which were left and the captain's palanquin and equipage were placed entirely at my disposal and in order to complete my happiness dr roland was so good as to accompany me in all my excursions twelfth february this morning the king ram singh who had been immediately informed of my arrival sent me a quantity of fruits and sweetmeats in large baskets his own riding elephant handsomely caparisoned an officer on horseback and some soldiers i was very soon seated with dr roland in a howdah and trotted to the neighbouring town kota contains about thirty thousand inhabitants and lies on the river chumbal in a far-fetching and in some places very rocky plain thirteen hundred feet above the level of sea the town which is conspicuously situated is surrounded by strong fortified works upon which placed fifty pieces of cannon the immediate neighbourhood is rocky naked and barren the interior of the town is separated into three parts by as many gates the first part is inhabited by the poorer classes and appeared very wretched in the other two parts the tradespeople and the gentry reside they have an incomparable better aspect the principal street although uneven and stony is sufficiently wide to allow carriages and ponderous beasts of burden to pass without hindrance the architecture of the houses is in the highest degree original the smallness of the windows had already attracted my notice in benares here they were so narrow and low that it is hardly possible to put the head out they are for the most part closed with finely decorated stone lattice instead of glass many of the houses have large alcoves in others there are spacious saloons on the first floor which rest on the pillars and occupy the whole front of the house many of these halls were separated by partition walls into smaller open saloons at both corners of the hall were decorated pavilions and at further end doors leading to the interior of the house these halls are generally used as shops and places of business also as a sort of idlers who sit upon mats and ottomans smoking their hookahs and watching the bustle in the streets in other houses again the front walls were painted in fresco with terrible-looking dragons tigers lions twice or thrice as large as life stretching their trunks out with hideous grimaces or with deities flowers arabesques etc without sense or taste grouped together 
miserably executed and bedaubed with most glaring colors the numerous handsome hindu temples all built upon lofty stone terraces form an agreeable feature of the town they are higher more capacious and finer buildings than those of benares with the exception of bishwas the temples here stand in the open halls intersected by colonnades ornamented with several quadrangular towers and surmounted by a cupola of from twenty or forty feet in height the sanctuary is in the middle it is a small carefully enclosed building with a door leading into it this door as well as the pillars and friezes is covered with beautiful sculptures the square towers are quite as carefully constructed as those at benares hideous statues and fanciful figures stand under the halls some of which are painted in bright red colours on the side walls of the terraces are arabesques elephants horses etc carved in relief the royal palace lies at the extremity of the third part of the town and forms a town within a town or rather a fortress in a fortress and it is surrounded by immense fortified walls which command the town as well as the country round it many large and small buildings are enclosed within these walls but do not present anything remarkable beyond their handsome halls had the resident been in kota i should have been presented to the king but it was not adequate in his absence i was compelled to put up with my disappointment from the town we proceeded to armonevas one of the neighbouring palaces of the kings the road to it was indescribably bad full of rocks and large stones i was astonished to see with what dexterity our elephant set his plump feet between them and travelled on as quickly as if he was going through the levelest road when i expressed my surprise to dr roland that the king should not have a good road made to his residence which he so often visited he informed me that it was maxim with all indian monarchs not to make good roads for according to their opinion in case of a war they offer too great facilities to the invasion of the enemy the castle is small and unimportant it lies on the river chumbal which was here hollowed out for itself a remarkably deep bed in the rock picturesque ravines and groups of rocks form its shores the garden of the castle is so thickly planted with orange citron and other trees that there is not room for even the smallest flowering plant or shrub the few flowers which the indian gardens contain are placed at the entrances the paths are raised two feet as the ground is always muddy and damp in consequence of frequent watering most of the indian gardens which i afterwards saw resemble these the king frequently amuses himself here with tiger hunting somewhat higher up the river small towers are erected upon slight eminences the tigers are driven gradually towards the water and always more and more hemmed in until they are within the shot of the towers the king and his friends sit securely upon the top of the towers and fire bravely upon the wild beasts near the castle was a small wooden temple which had been built the principal part however the amiable idols was wanting it was owing to this fortunate circumstance that we were allowed to enter the sanctuary which considered a small marble kiosk standing in the centre of the hall the temple and the columns were covered with bad paintings in most brilliant colours it is strange that neither the hindus nor the mohammedans should have applied themselves to painting for there are neither good pictures nor drawings to be seen among any of these people although they have displayed much proficiency in architecture carving in relief and in mosaic work we lastly visited a fine wood of tamarind and mango trees under the shades of which ashes of number of kings are preserved in handsome monuments these monuments consist of open temples with broad flights of ten or twelve steps leading up to them 
at the bottom of the steps on each side stands alone figures of elephants some of the temples are ornamented with beautiful sculptures the evening also passed in all kinds of amusements the good doctor would have made me acquainted with all arts of the hindus however the greater number of them were no longer new to me a snake charmer exhibited his little society which performed very clever tricks and also allowed the most poisonous serpents to twine themselves round his body and the largest scorpions ran over his arms and legs afterwards four elegant female dancers appeared dressed in muslin ornamented with gold and silver and loaded with jewellery ears forehead neck breast loins hands arms feet in short every part of the body was covered with gold silver and precious stones even the toes were ornamented with them and from the nose a large ring with three stones hung over the mouth two of the dancers first commenced their dance consisted of same winding moments which i had seen in benares only they were far more animated and twisted their fingers hands and arms about in every conceivable manner they might well be said to dance with their arms but not with their feet they danced for ten minutes without singing but then they began to scream without however keeping time and their motions became more violent and wild until in about half an hour both strength and voice failed they stopped quite exhausted and made way for their sisters who repeated the same spectacle dr roland told me that they represented a love story in which every virtue and passion such as truth self-devotion hate persecution despair etc played a part the musicians stood a little while behind the dancers and followed all their movements the whole space which such a company requires it at most ten feet in length and eight feet broad the good hindus amused themselves for hours altogether with these tasteless repetitions i remember having read in books that the indian female dancers were far more graceful than the european that their songs were highly melodious and that their pantomime was tender inspiring and attractive i should scarcely think the authors of such books could have been in india not less exaggerated are their descriptions of the others who affirm that there are no dances more indelicate than those of the indians i might again ask these people if they had ever seen the samakeka and reflosa in valparisio the female dancers of tahiti or even our own in flesh-coloured leggings the dresses of the females in rajputan and some parts of bundelkhand are very different from those of the other parts of india they wear long coloured many-folded skirts tight bodies which are so short that they scarcely cover the breasts and over this a blue mantle in which they envelop the upper part of the body the head and the face and allow a part to hang down in front like a veil girls who do not always have their heads covered nearly resemble our own peasant girls like the dancers they are overloaded with jewellery when they cannot afford gold or silver they content themselves with some other metals they wear also rings of horn bone or glass beads on the fingers arms and feet on the feet they carry bells so that they are heard at a distance of sixty paces the toes are covered with broad heavy rings and they have rings hanging from their noses down to the chin which they are obliged to tie up at meal-time i pitied the poor creatures who suffered not a little from their finery the eyebrows and eyelids are dyed black while the children are very young and they frequently paint themselves with dark blue streaks of a finger's breadth over the eyebrows and with spots on the forehead the adult women tattoo their breasts foreheads noses or temples with red and white or yellow colours according as they are particularly attached to one or other deity many wear amulets or miniatures hung round their necks 
so that at first i thought they were catholics and felt gratified at the brilliant success of the missionaries but when i came nearer to one of the people that i might see these pictures better what did i discover there perhaps a beautiful madonna a fair-haired angel's head an enthusiastic antony of padua ah no i was met with eight-armed god shiva grinning at me the hawk's head of vishnu the long-tongued goddess kali the amulets contained most probably some of the ashes of some of the martyrs who had been burned or a nail a fragment of skin a hair of a saint a splinter from the bone of a sacred animal etc thirteenth february dr roland conducted me to the little town of keshwarapatan one of the most sacred in bunda and rajputan it lies on the other side of the river six miles from kota a great number of pilgrims come here to bathe as the water is considered particularly sacred at this spot the belief cannot be condemned when it is remembered how many christians there are who give the preference to the holy maria at mariazel einsiedel or loreto which nevertheless all represent one and the same handsome steps lead to the heights on the banks down to the river and brahmins sit in the pretty kiosks to take money from the believers for the honour of the gods on one of the flights of the steps lay a very large tortoise it might quietly sun itself there in safety no one thought of catching it it came out of the sacred river indeed it might perhaps be an incarnation of the god vishnu himself along the river stood numbers of stone altars with small bulls and other emblematical figures also cut out in stone the town itself is small and miserable but the temple is large and handsome the priests here are so tolerant as to admit us to all parts of the temple it is open on all sides and forms an octagon galleries run round the upper part one of which are for women the other for the musicians the sanctuary stands at the back of the temple five bells hang before it which are struck when women enter the temple they rung out also at my entrance the curtain and closed doors were then opened and afforded us a full view of the interior we saw there a group of little idols carved in stone the people who followed us with curiosity commenced a gentle muttering upon the opening of the doors i turned round somewhat startled thinking that it was directed against us and indicated anger but it was the prayers which they repeated in a low voice and with a feeling of devotion one of the brahmins brushed off the flies from the intelligent countenance of the gods several chapels joined the large temples and were all open to us they contained red painted stones or pictures in the front court sits a stone figure of a saint under a covering completely clothed and with even a cap on the head on the opposite bank of the river a small hill rises upon which rests the figure of a large and rather plump ox hewn in stone the hill is called the holy mountain captain burden has built a very pretty house near the holy mountain where he sometimes lives with his family i saw there a fine collection of stuffed birds which he had brought himself from the himalayas i was particularly struck by the pheasants some of which shone with quite a metallic lustre and there were some not less beautiful specimens of the heathcocks i had now seen all and therefore asked the doctor to order me a conveyance to indore one hundred and eighty miles distant for the next day he surprised me with the offer on the part of the king to provide me with as many camels as i required and two sepoys on horseback as attendants i asked for two the one for myself the one for the driver and the servants which dr roland sent with me End of section 25 Read by Lambda